In this episode of Man versus Marriage, I have a question. Is it chaos or is it just life? Stay tuned for a journey check-in with the Morans. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Man versus Marriage. The Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is I, Quincy Moran, Capricorn. Am I Capricorn? I, I think don't so. Know. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I don't. I don't do that anyway. But anyway, I thought that was funny. In the Moran family studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Ow! Dang it! I didn't do it. Ow! Ow! What a stupid idiot! Uh, too late to start this one over, but remember we were out shooting and I was showing Gracie like oh, hand you over cut hand your and, that, and you just did something. Yeah, and that recoil action caught my thumb. Every once in a while I'll I'll kinda do this to anyway. That flap of skin doesn't feel good when you pull it out. Pull it off of your thumb. So anyway, it's not chaos, it's just life. <laughs> <laughs> that sucked though, man. Al, <laughs> if this is a live show, I mean, I could, uh, I could just, you know, start over, but it's life, you know, that's the way this is. Anyway, we are here today to do a live journey check-in. It is Autism Awareness Month, and as you know, your favorite couple on Apple Podcasts and Google and Spotify have three children with autism. So we're going to do a check-in about what is going on. We're going to do um we're going to talk about our relationship. We're going to talk about the kids, about all sorts of things. So that you know where we're coming from and hopefully you will sit with your spouse and do a check-in. That's why we do this crap. We let you know where we're at. And then you're supposed to go and do that with your spouse because it helps you connect. And the reason I uh titled this one is it chaos or is it just life is because it seems like there's a lot going on for everybody yeah and if it's uh if it's truly chaos then chaos happening around you is something that you don't have control over if it's life you may not have control over life but at least you have control over your decisions and you can focus on the things that you can affect and move forward and you know Recently, you know, in in my new career, I'm so new in this career, and I give myself zero leniency, I started kind of getting overwhelmed a little bit. And I was like, oh, man, this and that and this, and I had to just stop myself. Say, Quincy, listen, if these kinds of things are an issue and the setting is different but the results are the same, maybe it's not the setting. Maybe it's the setter, you. (laughs) So get your crap together. You're good enough for this. You're big enough to rise to the uh, the occasion. Be methodical and freaking move forward. Like, you know, just talking myself down, saying, hey, don't allow, you know, this anxiousness, how you feel, to dictate your attitude. You know, you know one aspect of what you're doing. You know people. You love people. Even when people don't love you, you love people. So go out and do your thing. 
And I hope that helps you because it did it did greatly help me. And you know, just with this, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a check in now, and you know, just live on the air, I'm gonna ask my wife, "How's your heart, babe?" Ooh, there's a loaded question. It is. Um, well, today in the moment, it's happy. It is happy. You've been <laughs> lots of happiness. Um. Overall, it's been a rough month, I think. March was kind of a a rough one. We just we had a lot of ups and downs. We had um you know, we we got to visit family, which was cool. And uh you know, it, it was a not planned planned trip. So it was nice to go and and see my family and and hang out with my parents and get away from the chaos that is our life for a little while. Um, that was kind of awkward though, cause there's some stuff going on there where we were just kind of in the middle and I wasn't sure how to navigate really, you know, um, every family has their issues. Mine seems to be having one and Quincy and I are kind of on the outskirts of it cause we're in California. So we're not right in the middle of all the stuff going on. And when you show up to somebody's house and you can just kind of feel uncomfortable tension it's awkward whether it's there or it's not it's in your head so yeah it's, you know, it was it's, just it was just kind of awkward um I think it's better now I haven't really checked in on the situation but while we were there I mean for our part of it taking the kids shooting and um huh, getting a hold of my bread again was nice yeah it was very nice yeah absolutely stress relief um but we've we had some some rough spots in the last two or three weeks that have taken their toll on me emotionally and physically. And, uh, so yeah, I think, I think I'm on the, the other side of that now, but there's still some wariness there. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's not specific to, you know, your family. You no, know, no. We just went to, went and saw on vacation. It's more specific to family here. Um, in the state where we reside and that's, you know, that's one thing that I've kind of like taken into account. Um, I really, I really always try hard to the point of weakness, I would say, you know, because we have been taught, you know, strength overextended is a weakness. And it, and it is for me, and I acknowledge it. I'm trying to figure out how to overcome it. Yeah. But just giving people the the benefit of the doubt, so much so, and then just flat out being lied to. Like yeah, bold I... face, lie to your face, sneak around, all this kind of bull crap. And, you know, at at, at that particular point, you know, you, I'm I, generally when there's an issue, the first thing I do is like kind of review myself, my behavior. And, you know, my actions, what have I done? Why, what is there a part of me that's causing this? But when it comes down to it, people will be people and people, especially people that are selfish and self-serving will do things that benefit them and they will not be honest. And unless they have a desire to change their ways, you're not going to love them out of it. No. Because it's who they are. The hard part, though, is you choose to love them, but loving you doesn't mean I have to trust you. And if Correct. I can't trust you, 
then it's almost like you forced my love to be conditional. Not because that's the way I want it to be, but on their end, it's like, well, if I don't do this, then you don't love me or you're not going to love me enough. That That's not accurate. But your actions are telling me I can't trust you, which means although I love you to pieces, I have to check everything mm-hmm. that you're doing and saying or telling me because there's just no foundation there. Yeah. And when you think about it, um, if you win something, it's because you earned it nine times out of nine. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a competition, if you win, I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, I don't know why I do this stupid stuff, but sometimes, you know, the judges give one away. But let's say nine times out of ten, if you win something, you earned it. And in cases like this, if you break trust, you earned it. You've earned this particular situation. And I won't say that the love is conditional because I think our love is, is unconditional, but the trust is. The trust is absolutely conditional. I think that um, their view is our love is conditional now because I don't trust. I don't give the benefit of the doubt. And here's the the thing that people don't seem to grasp about Quincy and I. Quincy will trust you until he has a reason not to. Quincy will give you the benefit of the doubt and wants to seek the best in a person. I am the bullshit meter. I do not trust a person until you give me a reason to trust you. Simply put, we've been burned one too many times. And I've just learned, even in myself, I know my own selfishness, so I recognize it in someone else. I know my own um, hangups as a kid and what I did to get what I needed and what I felt was necessary for me. So it's not hard for me to spot the same traits in our own children when they're doing stuff. It's the same with adults. I can tell when a person is telling me to my face that, you know, we're important to them. We mean a lot to them. They're there for us. They'll do this and that. But then when the rubber meets the road, oh, you know, and it's like, For me, you get the same me no matter who you are. You get the same me no matter what your authority position is, your title. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Your title, your money, your position, your personality, whatever it is, it means shit to me. Point blank. You, the person, Mm -hmm. are what's important to me. And if you're fake and you can't talk straight to me, I don't have time for you. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely no room in my life for garbage. I have no room. I I struggle. This past month, we've struggled with um, friendships that this is just too much work for me. If there is so much miscommunication and misunderstanding because we can't find a common ground to say it's okay for you to be you and me to be me and us not to agree on something... It's just too much work for me. It's not worth it. I love you. You're a great friend. I would love to have you in my life. I want to be around you and your family. However, you're asking me to accept you for you, but you're not willing to accept me for me. 
This doesn't work. And I'm not willing to put in twice as much work as somebody else to make it work. It's not worth it. You know, when our teenagers, they're teenagers. I own this. I understand it. I am not oblivious to this thought. Okay. I understand. I was a teenager too. And I made stupid choices growing up. I get it. So the excuse to tell me, well, they're teenagers and they make dumb choices. This is true. But once they've recognized and acknowledged that they know they're making stupid choices and it becomes a pattern and they continually make those stupid choices, this is no longer a I'm a teenager making a dumb choice situation. You are a teenager who is refusing to change who you are. Mm -hmm. You are doing what you need to do because you are selfish. You're not doing it for any other reason. I have no time for this Mm -hmm. to come to me and say, well, I need this from you. Or can you do this for me when you're lying to me? You're not doing what you say you should be doing, or you are basically making me feel like I am a cash machine. Nah, I don't have time for this anymore. This is your responsibility lined out A to Z. This is my responsibility lined out A to Z. There's no extra give here. You've earned that. Mm-hmm. You've earned that. You know, when we were kids growing up, it was you're grounded. We lost everything. Or you got your butt whooped, depending on what you did. Yeah. Now, we've taken everything. I hate that we have to take everything, but we've yeah. taken everything. And it's still not making a lick of difference. So now it's... You come to a place as a parent, it's like, okay, at what point, at what age, at, at what what part of their life do we finally step back and go, you know what? I've raised you. You're nearly an adult. These decisions are your decisions. I've kept my end of my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I have done what I'm supposed to do to this point. Mm-hmm. You are choosing to reject me, not the other way around. By refusing to do something as simple as be honest with me, mm-hmm. you're rejecting me. Because for me to have a relationship with you, one that, that's an actual heartfelt, true relationship, there has to be trust. If that's not there, then you've basically made it where I, I love you. That's not going to change. But that's as far as this is going to go until you make changes for yourself. Those things are hard for me because as a mama, I want to just reach out and fix it. I want to make these changes for you. I want to make it better. Yeah. But I can't. You're responsible to do your work. You're responsible to make these calls. You're responsible to take these tests. You're responsible to get these things done so that when you graduate, you can move on. You're also responsible to be honest and to have integrity. Own your shit. Yeah, it's that easy. And, you know, for one of the foundational things for our family, you know, and I I say this to the kids when I'm talking to them about it, you know, Am I a hypocrite when it comes to Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and the Easter Bunny? Yeah, I am. Otherwise, am I honest? Yeah, I am. And I believe that's the way to live your life. I don't just say it and not do it, but actually do it. Am I perfect? No. If I'm wrong, do I own it? Yes. Do I intentionally deceive the people I love? Absolutely not. 
And if that, and if that can't be adapted, which I know it can, but if it if you choose not to adapt that particular lifestyle, even though you say you you will, and then you don't, your actions are truly telling those around you what's in your heart. Well, and it's what pisses me off is like when your excuse is the reason I lied is because I didn't want to have to, you know, I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want you to get upset about it. What made you think I wouldn't get upset when I found out you lied? Mm -hmm. I would rather you tell me the truth and let me be mad for a minute than lie to my face because now I'm pissed. Yeah. And that's, you know, as I've been teaching and mentoring and, you know, training our kids in the way they should go, I tell them, look, I'd rather have an ugly lie. I mean, I'd rather have the ugly truth than a sweet lie. Yeah. Because at least I know what's true. Say it ugly, dude. We'll clean it up. But at least I know what I'm working with. Yeah. If I don't know what I'm working with, I, I can't help you. And then to come and say, well, I need your help with this. What makes you think that there's any part of me that wants to? You continually is... is I feel weak when I say this because it's it's a filter that I'm working through, but it hurts me when they lie to me. It hurts me when they hide things from me because I'm the go-to. When shit hits the fan, they come to mom. Mm -hmm. When they need protection, they come to dad. But when something is wrong and they're hurt, they come to me. So why would you do something you know hurts me mm -hmm. and then come back and act like, Everything's great. You're sorry. We're perfect. And within 10 days, turn around and do it again. Yeah. I don't understand. And it then to come and say, well, I need your help with this. I had to have a come to Jesus conversation straight up and tell him, if you were an adult and not my child, I would shut your shit off in a heartbeat and walk away. I have no problem locking down an adult in the cold. You hurt me. You're done. Mm -hmm. The first time, I'll let you apologize. We'll fix it. We'll make it right. The second time, bye. I've got no place for it. Yeah. There are very few people in this world who have ever been able to come back and repair a hurt in my life. And that's simply because I refuse to allow people to treat me the way that they think they can, knowing these are my boundaries respect them cool you can come into my living room you can come into my house don't respect them there's the curb you can watch from across the street i don't have a problem with that so are you saying that you have like a laundry list of wounds from the past that you do not allow people to, i have removed those people no i have removed those people who chose to continually misuse or um just not be trustful. If if I can't trust you, if I know, I mean, there there are limitations to like you have those friends where you know I can tell you this, but I definitely can't tell you that because I already know. So who you're saying you're, you're, as far I'm as saying you're saying somebody those... who, who really hurt me, and they knew they hurt me, they fixed it the first time, and they came back and they hurt me again the same way, knowing yeah, if you do this, you're gonna hurt me. Those people. Yeah, there, there's four or five I can honestly say uh, they've never been back and they won't be. And that's because 
the 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 trust is wounded or broken and you're not going to allow them to come back or you're wounded the trust is broken and you have no interest in allowing them the opportunity to fix it um the trust is broken the wound is healed okay but i have no interest in allowing someone i know is a repeat offender to come back and have access to me again gotcha it's it's for me, looking at it now, over the last, I'd say, eight years or so, just in in resetting my boundaries and understanding you tr- teach people how to treat you, I've learned these people don't want to be taught how to treat me. They want to do it their way, and I'm not willing to accept that anymore. And in cutting them out or releasing myself of them, I'm teaching my kids the same thing. There are people who are worth it. There are people who aren't. You know, it's Tyler Perry has a saying in one of his Medea shows where people are like trees. You know, you have the leaves. They blow whichever way the wind does. That's where we're at with the kids now. I tell them all the time. Some of your friends in school, they're going to come in for a season and they're going to blow away. And that's okay. You know, we, we've got life changes coming. New people come in. Old people go out. Some old people will come back. It's okay. Mm -hmm. That's what the leaves do. They come in, they flourish, they hit the ground, and they blow away. The next spring, they come back. It's okay. The branches are there. They're a little more sturdy. They hang around a little bit longer. But, man, they bend, and they can snap. Those people you have to be careful of. Don't put your weight on them because if they snap, you go with them. But the roots, the ones that the, the handful of people that I can honestly say if they hurt me, I could trust that it was not intentional and that they would never do it again if they ever did. They would honestly, truthfully try to change that about themselves for me. There's very few of those. But I have to look at things from a different perspective now. What we do teaches them. Mm-hmm. And if they see me allowing someone to hurt me continually and accept it, I'm just showing them how to let somebody abuse them. And then, so if you look at that, like conversely, if that's the right way, uh, are there people that like you've hurt that have come to you and say this is wrong and then you're able to decide to make the change in how you treat them? I mean, is it is it a two-way street, I guess? It is. If I, if I hurt somebody, I'm going to own it. I own it wholeheartedly and gotcha. I'll go back and fix it. I don't have a problem doing that. If I hurt them because I was protecting myself, no, I'm not going to change that. You know, um, that friendship that we had to sever, I would never make an apology for that. Yeah. Because uh, granted, on his side, I hurt him by not giving him his expectation. But I'm not required to meet your expectation. I didn't even know it was an expectation. So I don't feel I owe an apology on that side. However, well even 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 so, the the manner in which the final descent took place was unacceptable. Exactly. You know, it was it was unacceptable even though it was a very very long-term friendship just looking back looking back over the way that friendship played out, it was unhealthy for a while, for a long time. We just didn't recognize it. I think we just justified it. 
really, you know, just specifically, we were <laughs> just specifically in the way that, you know, relationships were having, like the way this particular person was treating their spouse. Yeah. And it was, I mean, supposed to be in a joking manner, but it got personal and then it was like a personal attack and it was, it had become uncomfortable where before, you know, it was like playful, loving, kind of went both ways, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know. Started out as banter and it ended up being cutthroat. Yeah, and we, we kind of justified those those things. Away. Like, you, you look at my uh, grandma and my grandpa. <laughs> they they had serious <laughs> banter, but it was it was loving probably with a tone of seriousness. When your wife can call you an asshole and you think it's funny— we're okay there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they bantered hard. Some of the stuff that they would say, people who didn't know them walk in the house be like, oh my gosh. But then when you watch them together and the way that he was doting on her, I mean, grandma was his world. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever realized how soft and tender he really was to her until closer to the end. But... If you pissed her off, that man was on you in a heart. Whether she was right, wrong, or indifferent, he did not care. You upset her. And that he's not having it. But when they were arguing, you couldn't tell, are you upsetting her? Like, what the crap? But that was their relationship. They could have fun that way and not hurt each other. Yeah, it, there was just a distinct difference than the other, the the other, other side was of to, that. The other... Was to family was to, to embarrass her demean, to others. belittle, yeah. you know, those types of things. And it, it was a shame. And I think there was a, you know, a, a situation in the, in their life where um, that shifted. And it, it had to do with some issues with outside of their control, you know. But it did come to the point where it was like, this is not acceptable, you know. And I'm sure there's people who have done that with us. It's like, you know, this is not okay. And... You know, we have to change X, Y, or Z. Um, but I think it, you know, it, in in my opinion, it's important to look at those situations that come up. And, you know, we we open our heart and our home to people and really have no, no need to do so. But we have a heart to help people and love people. And I know I've probably stressed that you know, overtax that for at some points because you are, you know, introverted and closed off in, in certain aspects of your heart, especially specifically with how you're going to, you know, who and what you're going to trust for good reason based on what we've been through. But there's a lot of good lessons as we kind of move into the next phase of our life, uh, especially for me, whether it's professionally or personally, um, you know, as we st- we as we take a step forward, I mean, we're going to have one of the parts of this check-in is is about having kids graduate. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, some moving on to college and moving on to college and work and moving on to college work and driving and you know, for us, I know I know it was like you have kids and you don't have kids to keep your kids. You have kids, you know, to further humanity, put good, hardworking, honest people that are good human beings out to further the human race. Um, And there's a time where it's like, oh, I'll never let you go. And then there's a time where it's like, I can't wait till you go. And (laughs) then there's a time where it's like, 
what's going to happen when you go? Yeah. You know, and those are, you know, three different phases. And, you know, as these kids get older, you know, a couple, one of the girls is just like, I'm ready to get out. Yeah. And, you know, I can't blame her because I was ready to get out, you know, and I've been on my own for a long time, a really long time. My only worry there is that she is, her common sense is not her strongest trait. Yeah. but and, he, that, he, and that worries me. But at the same time, I want her to go. I go, do too. go do what it is that you want to do because they're not going to figure out what they're missing until they get out there. I didn't realize how much I needed my mom in my life until my mom and dad moved away. And then it was like, whoa, I didn't realize how much we relied on them yeah. for a lot. I mean, not just helping with the kids and stuff. My mom was my best friend. My mom was the person I talked to every single day. And when they left, I could still talk to her, but it was like on the phone, not drive down the street and sit on her couch and, you know, share a soda and watch a movie and have a conversation. That's, mm -hmm. it wasn't that easy. And at the time that they left, our whole world had just been tipped on its axis. So, and it's, and it's odd because when they did make the move, then we were able to we had look to at each other and say, "Oh, we're all we have." Yeah, which we had more, but you know, authentically, it made us stronger. And I had the thought when you were talking about our one particular girl that's ready to just ready to to roll out of here, ready to fly the coop. And it's like, you can't test the strength of a bird's wings when they're sitting in the nest. You can't do it. Yeah, you gotta let them fly. You gotta let that bird fly. And I wanna, I want these children to, we've done everything I think we can do. I slacked on a few things just because that common sense factor there or that street smart, if you will, or that awareness to drive just was not there. Um, that's going to take a little bit of time. But otherwise, with what we've done here in our house and how we, how I have trained and pushed and coached uh, and mentored our kids, to, probably to the point of them being sick and tired of me, but creating and impressing upon them a work ethic. Mm-hmm doing everything I can to live a lifestyle of honesty and integrity in my word in front of them, um, showing them what a father looks like, showing them what a husband looks like, showing them what good people look like, what a, you know, what a marriage looks like. Um, I believe we've done what we've set out to do and now it will be her turn to get out and go live it. And look, when we got married, we weren't we weren't the sharpest tools in the shed. No. We were oblivious to so many things, but we made it. And I you know, she she'll have some bumps and bruises. They all will. Yeah. Everybody that leaves the house, you know, they'll have bumps and bruises, but we can't shelter them from that side. We've we've built them for success. And it's up to them to go out and do good to get good. And when it's hard, when things are tough, 
We've worked hard to build resiliency in them. Yeah. And hopefully our relationship is strong enough to when they do face adversity, they can lean on us for advice and then go out and get the job done, whatever it is that's in front of them. I just hope that when they get out there, society does not strip from them all that we've taught them. Because there, there's a couple that I worry, you know, our our work ethic is very different from a lot of people. Our yeah. kids have chores daily. They have a deep clean on the weekend, one one day a week. They deep clean, clean out the fridges, clean out the pantry. It's not slave labor. It's teaching them responsibility. It's teaching them hygiene and personal care and how to take care of themselves as an adult because these things matter. Yeah. You know, doing your own laundry. It, they're not my underwear. I should not have to clean them. Unless you are, you know, the the two who are not capable of caring for themselves, I should not have to do these things for you. But, you know, finding out that their friends don't have chores and their friend's mom cleans his bedroom for him every day. My daughter thought she was going to fall out of her chair. She's like, what do you mean your mom cleans your room? Well, that's you and know? that's the thing. That's We just built our kids differently. We did. But that, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like they, they've been taught to be lazy or to expect someone else to do it for them i'm sorry y'all but when you buy a house it does not come with a maid well <laughs> depending on your income bracket it might <laughs> but that being said though i think our parents had the same worry i think our parents had the same concerns i really do but mm-hmm. you you've got to let that bird fly um and that and that's hard for us because we're such a tight knit family. But you know, we're not we won't be doing these young women any justice by trying to keep them just a little bit longer. And that's why no. you know our one daughter that was like, oh, "I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here." It's like, "Well, then why go here? Why not just make the move to here where you want to be? Get your junior college taken care of." And then go to, you know, your four-year university. Now, if she wants to do that because she wants to go, but she's just not ready. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I understand that I think that's what it is because in talking to the girls, um, so the rules here for their first semester of junior college, they're going to go to junior college first, A, because it's cheaper, and B, because class sizes and things are a little easier to deal with. Um. And for some of our kids, you know, they're coming out of high school, but they're also coming out of, some of them are coming out of special ed and going into general ed population. Some of them are going into general ed, but they're coming in from a lower level high school class to a college class, which is very, very different when you have a 45 minute English class in high school to a three hour English class in college. This is a whole different ball game. So the rules that have been in place for them or put in place for them is one class for your prereqs, one class towards your major, and one class of something fun. That's it. And they're not allowed to take any more than three classes for the first semester. If they can lock down those three classes, maintain, get good grades, and still be able to try and work their part-time job like they want to, I am all for you bumping from there. But I think the first semester, they need to have limitations and structure on you need to find out what this looks like 
before you just jump in with both feet and say, well, I'm going to take six classes. I'm going to go to school five days a week and I'm going to get a part-time job. And then you find out the English class when they say you're going to read a chapter, it ain't like reading a regular reading book where you're reading, you know, 30 pages of a suspense novel. No, 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 no. You're reading 45 pages of English lit and how it's supposed to be written and how you break down con uh, punctuations and all this stuff. This is not the same as what they, they went through in high school. Yeah. So it's, and it's not to hold them back so much as it's to get your feet wet, dip your toe in the water first, see what it feels like. Can you handle this stress level? If you can handle the three classes and the stress doesn't break you, take another one. What happens if this fun class turns out to be something that switches your major? Maybe they, they are, you know, not normally into art and they take an art class and they find out they love this. Okay, incorporate that somewhere so that you have one thing that you are, it's an easy breathe through. I enjoy this course rather yeah. than work, 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 work. The whole point is to teach them the stuff that we didn't learn when we were younger we, we started learning, you got to work, you got to get a job, you got to make money, you got to provide for everybody, which is true. But you got to balance it with stuff that you love. You right. got to have fun. At the same token, though, I'm convinced that there's no amount of great advice that can be given to prevent what's necessary for experience to teach. Agreed. And it's scary for us. You know, I'm sure it's scary for them too. It's scary for us because you want, you know, you create this expectation for your kids sometimes. And it's based on all the experience that you've had. And you want them to take it all. But there's some, you know, like there's some particular uh, iOS um, upgrades. Like some iPhones can only go to so far for an operating system and then there's an app you can't use because it's just not compatible that's kind of as goofy as it is that's kind of what it is there, some things in your life many things only experience is the only thing that can truly make you or, or help you understand where somebody's coming from and what life is it's like you need that next iOS operating system in order to have a platform where this particular app or situation has functionality. Mm -hmm. um, and as complicated as that might sound, there's just things that our kids are not going to understand until they have been through experiences. Yeah. Agreed. And, and whether that has to do with education whether that has to do with sex, whether that has to do with relationships, whether it has to do with money, whether, yeah, whether it has to do with their job, whatever it is, it's going to take those choices in the moment, them to have the experience of whatever that is in order to upgrade their operating system. Mm -hmm. And that's just where we are, you know. I think the older they get in a lot of aspects, the closer, you know, our relationship gets. Some of these kids we sp we've had to go to bat for and to protect 
whether it's their health, what happened to them when they were younger because of babysitters and sexual abuse. But at some point, you know, it's like now, it's like, uh, okay, you may not make the perfect decision, but it's decision time. And this is a lesson for us too. You might not make the perfect decision, but it's time to make a decision. And then once the fruit of that decision matures, eat it and decide whether it was ripe or if it was rotten and make another decision in front of you. Yeah. And sometimes we can kind of get hyperbolic about just keying in on how to make the perfect decision. And it's like, oh, then you get what's called uh, paralysis by analysis and you don't make any decision. And... I can look at places in my life where I, I was going to say, you are talking to yourself right yeah, now, aren't you? <laughs> it's true. It's so true. There, There's a lot of things in the last couple months. I can honestly say, I can see where that is. That is where you were very, very easily. I yeah. can see that. But I, I have some great people in my life. Obviously you are the one. And then other great people in my life that I can bounce some things off of. You know, and and there has been some times lately where it's like, man, I thought, I just thought I was a bit more mature than this. Or I thought I was better at making decisions than this. But I didn't take a step back and say, well, these are much bigger decisions that are being made. Well, and I think there's a part of you, too, that I don't think you realize just how hard you are on yourself. I probably don't. You are extremely hard on yourself. You take every bit of critique that anyone else gives you on top of your own critique of yourself and you mesh that stuff together and then you just start dissecting and dissecting and dissecting and going, okay, I need to make this change and I need to make this change and what about this and what... That's not necessarily true. You don't have to make all these changes. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes it's not you that needs to change. Funny you should mention that. Sometimes it's the situation or the atmosphere or the people around you that need to be changed. Yeah, and that, and you know, it's funny you say that. I'm going to, I haven't read this to you, but I wrote it. I wrote this the other day. And uh, this is real-time stuff right here. It's a journey. It's a check-in. So um, They're used to us. Uh, they probably are. If you're new to the program, thank you for listening. And this is a journey check-in, and this is just catching you up to where the Morans are. I hope there's not anything incriminating in here. But I came. this came to me the other day as I was doing some self-reflection. I realized. For too long, I looked at myself as the problem, as if my candor vulnerability, honesty, integrity, and my openness is what's broken. All this relative... Ooh, I don't think I can say that. <laughs> I don't think I can say this. All this while some stuff is happening. I'll read that, I'll read that part. A mirroring, a mirroring rambler. 
with a pull of integrity so shallow it lacks the ability to dampen its foundation. How shameful. I allowed myself to be manipulated by trusting the wrong people and not my gut and wise counsel. But what a brilliant lesson. I'm not going to conform. I will adapt in a sense of being more vocal in opposition to this posture or of this posture. Become more strategic with your agreeableness. Reserve honor for the honorable. Reserve admiration for purity, honesty, and truth. For men being men, and for women being women. Ah, it sucks I couldn't read that one part on there. I'll read it to you later. That's but fine. I think... I, I, I read that to say that in several situations I've come against the same thing. And I was blaming myself for being the problem. If I am the problem, I'm going to I'm going to do what I can to fix it and make it right. But the fact is is that in these instances, I don't believe I was the problem. Okay, so outside the frame. Okay. If you were the problem and all these things that are said about you were true. Don't you think the 10 people living in the same quarters as you with you day in and day out, knowing how open we are as a family, don't you think we would call you on that stuff? I mean, to a degree, yeah, you would definitely call me on stuff, but y'all have a certain bias for me. Oh, no. If you're being an ass, I'm going to tell you you're being an ass. You know me well enough to know. If you're not being the true you, I will call you on it in a heartbeat. Yeah. If what was said or if what was done or if the situation was your doing i would wholeheartedly tell you this is gonna be ugly but i would tell you i'm not gonna let you sit in something that's not the real you i would never do that and i'm talking collectively over a a number of years i understand that but over the last 12 years we've agreed if it ain't us we call it so also look at the other people in your life that know you for you, mm-hmm. like know you to your core. And I know there's not many, but there is a pretty strong core group of people that at any given day could shake you and tell you, uh-uh, this is, this is not you. And you would take it. You trust them that much. Not one of them agreed with any of the stuff that was going on. Not one of them said, yeah, that's on you, Q. There were moments where we said, okay, you could have handled this differently or you could have maybe done this differently or maybe there's a lesson for you to learn in that one. Those things come from the people that know you best. The other stuff is all circumstantial. It is not Quincy Moran. It is stuff. It is chaos, not Quincy. There's a difference there. And I think what's happened over the years, both of us have allowed situations, opinions, um, uncontrolled variables to come in and shake what our core is. It didn't change it. It just shook it a little bit. And sometimes, you know how when you see like... um, 
a power pole or what do you call those things where they have all the cables holding them down? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a power line. Okay. So if you see a power line and all these cables are holding them down, when you get a really bad storm, once in a while, one of those cables might snap. That's what happened. Crap came in. Storms kept coming one right after the other. And a cable or two snapped. Replace the cable. You don't replace the power. You replace the cable. You don't change where you're getting your power source from. You replace the cable and make it sturdy again. That's all this was. This was one of those moments where over the course of the last few years, I think you and I have both, especially now because we're in such a huge transition in our life, Mm -hmm. that we're starting to realize what cables belong and what cables need to go. These are the things that hold us firm. These are the people that we trust to keep us grounded. These are the circumstances that are non-negotiable. Everything else, I can replace you with a different cable. I, I don't have a problem there. And while I'm replacing those cables, these others are holding me firm to my truth and who I am and what I'm doing. It's just a different part of our life now people are going to be changing out opportunities are going to be changing out kids are going to be moving on to their next phase of life Mm -hmm. you know our kids are now talking about trading babysitting kirsten for us babysitting grandkids it's a win-win for me Mm -hmm. you know i i don't i don't look at life as scared as i used to anymore that's good because I think you and I have solidified who we are. Yeah. We're not so shaky anymore. And knowing that other people or other circumstances or life in general can rock us a little bit didn't change who we were. In the beginning, we were going wherever we needed to go because we didn't know where we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like, we were young and stupid and ignorant in life. Life kicked us through the freaking coals a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And we came out of it knowing how to fight back against life. I think I think everything that we've gone through in the last few years, I mean, all the changes up to this point, the fact that for the longest time we were told not to have you commute. You don't want him commuting. I, I got hammered left. You don't want him commuting. You're going to be taking care of the kids by yourself. You don't want to be a single mom. We fought it. We fought it. We fought it. We fought it. And then when you switched and you took over and you were driving an hour and a half both ways, it was like that was the best thing that could happen to you because you had an hour and a half both ways to listen to your podcast, listen to your audiobooks. That's when you made a lot of your changes in yourself because that was your time. No one there to bug you. Towards the end of that period, that time was slowly being taken from you. That's when I think we started noticing, okay, something's something's off. Because you weren't getting your, your time to rebuild and refuel you. And that's what made things shaky. That's what started cutting cables because you weren't getting that time to renew yourself. We have to have that time. You Personally... And in a relationship, you need that time to refuel, take a Mm self-reflection, 
you have to have it. If you're not taking that time, life's going to bite you in the ass. And before you know what happens, you're getting stitches. There's just no way around it. You have to have those moments. And when those moments were taken from you, that's what puts you off kilter because you, just you as a person, you have to have that time daily. It, it's what helps you get through your day. You reaffirm to yourself who you are, who God is to you, what your purpose is in the day, what your purpose is in your life. And then all of a sudden you are off and running and nothing can come against you. But when you don't have those things, you don't have that time. It's like your day just kind of goes eh, all over the place. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. You got, you have to take, you have to take time to, to get yourself recalibrated and, and centered again. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier about like being really hard on myself and trying to take too much and adapt. I've really limited the voices that I allow to speak into my life, Mm -hmm. you know, extremely limited because I, I do, I want to, I'm, I'm always looking for the next edge and how to keep myself sharp. Um, but with that, however, with that being said, I've had to limit the voices that I allow to speak into my life. And I've had to limit it because I, for too long, gave people the ability to tell me something and for me to take it to heart, even though they weren't, they didn't have the credibility to do so. No, they didn't know you well enough to, to speak into your life that way. Yeah. I, you can ask anyone who knows us as a couple and maybe when people meet me they'll they'll realize i'm not really as unapproachable as i seem but if you speak something to my husband that i know in my gut is not true i will let you know it is not true don't care who you are but quincy has the same right mm-hmm. if someone comes at me or makes me feel a certain way or says something that would shake my identity or would come against who I truly am, you would have something to say in a heartbeat. Of course. And it's and it's not about you not being able to defend yourself. It's more re, me affirming to you, I know the truth, and this person doesn't know their ass from a hole in the ground, and they don't have the right to speak into you that way. It, that's all it is. It's, I mean, we do the same thing for our kids when when... Someone tells our daughter, you know, she should consider a nose job. It took every ounce of control that I have not to leave this house and headhunt somebody. Because you have no right. It wasn't even a kid. It was an adult. It was an adult. But it's like you have no right. When when a teenager tells you that, you know, they've considered a nose job or they, they don't like their face... Our daughter's beautiful, and I'm not being biased. She's very pretty. She looks just like her grandmother did when she was younger. Spitting image. But for whatever reason, this person felt the need to tell her, well, you could always have that fixed. I just about lost my ever-loving mind. What gives you the right to tell someone to go make changes that are so drastic. Why didn't you ask her a question? Like, hey, why do you feel that way? 
What makes you feel like you're not a beautiful person? Rather than giving her a solution to cut her face. Yeah. I, it, and it's not to take my, make my daughter feel like she can't handle her own battles. It's simply she needs to know that there's someone who's on her side that knows the truth. You're a beautiful person. You don't need this. If you want it, that's a different story. But if you feel you need it because of something that someone else said, no. Yeah, especially you take into account this is a young, impressionable young lady. Mm-hmm. And then if you add in the, the uh, account or take into account that she's on the autism spectrum, yeah. very, you know, not not like super mildly. She's very high functional, but social emotional is not. Is, yeah, it's is like the, know your freaking audience. Yeah. Teacher, uh, I guess I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, um, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I uh, there's a lot that's come out of this journey episode, and and I think it. I think truly, what we're going through is just life. It's not chaos that's happening. Our life to is us. creating chaos. I mean, when when you consider, I mean, this is just the tip of it. This is not even addressing the autism side of everything that's going on right now. Autism right now is, is upended (laughs) because it's, there's so many uncontrolled variables at the moment and decisions to be made. I mean, we're, we're discussing, they've both graduated They're right now. They're just sitting in school because they can until they're 22, but they're not progressing. They're regressing. And all the on again, off again with the school and then on again, off again with the bus. And I mean, the stupidity that's going on around them. It seemed to me, just from an outside perspective, even though I'm I'm on the inside, it seemed to me they were progressing more when they were with you. Exactly. That well, and that's that's kind of where the point comes from, that the decision comes from, because we were talking about this in January in one of the other episodes of, you know, if they have to pull them out again because of COVID. I mean, it's so stupid. They go back to school for four days. Somebody gets sick. They shut down the whole school because it's a small school. It's not like a traditional school. So everybody comes home. They got to stay home for 10 school days. Okay. We're home for 10 school days. We go back to school. They're back for two days. The bus driver gets sick. Everybody on that bus has to come home. Okay. Well, everybody on that bus is not in the same classroom. So everybody who was, in close proximity to anybody who was on that bus now has to go home. So again, school closes down 10 days. And it's like, what are you doing? It takes us two to three weeks to get them in a routine. They were there for four days. Now they're home again. They're home with me for two weeks. Guess what? We have a routine, two weeks worth. We go back for two days. We come home again. They're home with me for two weeks. Guess what? We're back to mom's routine. We go back. We're there for two weeks. We've got a routine in place. And the freaking bus company, I don't know what happened here. I don't understand. But if you can't put a buckle and a safety lock on a child because you're too scared you're going to get COVID, shouldn't be a driver. Just my opinion. But anyway, it wasn't the driver's fault. It was the company's fault. But now I'm driving them to and from school. Change routine again. Every time you change an autistic child's routine, behaviors show up. Yeah, it's a ripple effect. Because they don't understand why you're changing the routine. They can't 
gauge if the routine change is good or bad. They just know it's a change. Me on a speed bump is nothing compared to Hunter and Kirsten on a speed bump. And their behaviors were escalating. Mm -hmm. And then you take into account dad's routine changed. Your work routine changed. You were gone, you know, one or two days a week. Now you're gone three or four days a week, a couple times a month now. And then we started noticing Hunter's better. When you're gone for a couple of days, he looks for you. He wants you. He wants his time with dad. So when you come home, he's nice. He's inviting you to come sit down and watch movies with him. He's asking. Mm -hmm. Hey, dad, you want to come sit with me? Kirsten, hey, dad, let's go get a car wash in your truck. Like they want these things now, whereas before they didn't voice near as much. Because there was a lot of combative. So it's not for everybody. But just seeing the change in me driving them to school. They get to sleep in an hour longer in the morning. When they get when I pick them up from school. Hunter's not the a-hole he is after sitting on the bus for an hour every day. He sees me. He knows that I'm home. He knows he's going home. When he comes home on the bus. I wouldn't be here because I would be at the gym. So you're gone. I'm gone. He doesn't know what to do with that. There's no stability there for him. I mean, his siblings are are helpful and we do have help with, with taking care of them when we're not home, but it's not the same as mom and dad. Mom and dad are the constant factors. So we're going to take them out of school at the end of May and we're going to bring them home and we're going to put them in a normal routine daily routine because this is what nurtures what they need right now they don't want to hunter does not want to sit and have to sort out math equations that he's been doing for five years (laughs) he has been doing the same math the same money the same grocery list all of this for at least three or four years he's been in third grade math since he was in eighth grade He hasn't progressed from that. So he is doing the exact same things over and over and over, and he's done. He doesn't remember his days of the week, for goodness sake. Things that were embedded in him are no longer registering because there's just been too much change. And it's a huge undertaking for us Mm -hmm. to not have a six-hour break every day. You know, they're going to be with me 24-7 now. That's a huge adjustment for me. But the benefit for them, which is a benefit for us, it's not going to be school anymore. But they are going to be able to go do stuff. They are going to be able to have a routine. Hunter's going to actually feel helpful because he's going to have chores to do. You know, looking at a lot of this stuff now, they're all over the map right now because we are in between spring break and getting back to school. And, you know, people are graduating. They're talking about prom. They're talking about dating. They're talking about driving. Hunter can't do these things. And all these conversations are taking place around him and he can't do these things. So he is frustrated beyond belief because he recognizes that he's older He recognizes that he should be allowed to drive. You know, he's almost 21. 
He recognizes that that means he's an adult, but he's not capable of adult things, and it's frustrating the crap out of him. Yeah, I, it, it's really hurting him. And, you know, I'm I'm still on the side where I think what we're going through is just, we're just going through life. I, I think just because I, I say it this way, like if we give too much credence to these things as if they're chaos, um, I think it takes too much control out of our hands mentally, from a mental yeah. agility perspective. Because what's happening is life. Now, our life is different from other people's life. What happens in our life may, for other people, be chaos. Be chaos you know, <laughs> just like a dear friend of ours who has a daughter who's going through, you know, those health emergencies, those mm-hmm. health crises, so to speak. That is chaos because that is completely out, out of their control. Of their control. Exactly. So that is a situation where it is, but. I think looking at it and saying it's completely chaos, you can get into the routine of thinking anything that happens Mm -hmm. is chaotic. When it's not, it's actually just life. And whether it's overwhelmed, just being overwhelmed because of life, you can start to impact yourself negatively, and then you you allow your mind to start working against you. Um, so that's, that's why I put that on this particular one. It's like, there's a lot going on. There's some things personally that we're just not going to discuss on the podcast because they're, the details are a bit too intimate. It doesn't, not talking sexually, but there's yeah. just some details that are a bit too intimate, but the overarching fact, you, you've heard it. We have, you know, autism is going on. Autism is a constant, inconsistent variable. True. And, you know, we have kids graduating, kids preparing to go to work. Um, We have me adjusting within my new career and what that looks like and trying to navigate travel with that. Um, Just trying to navigate family. Travel and family. And that's all, yeah, all encompassing. Family time for for us is a huge thing. Family time is a nightly thing. It's it's something that we have always ingrained in the kids that we spend time together. So with you traveling, it's different. But like I said before, I think everything that we have gone through in the last two years has brought us to the point that we're at where decision-making isn't difficult now. It It's, I mean, it used to be, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And we would go back and forth and say, okay, we can't make a decision, then we're just going to wait. We're not going to do anything yet. And now we've come to a place in our life where it's like, okay, make a decision. This is this is where we see the benefits. This is where we see mm-hmm. the decline, and we want the benefits. So we're going to go after the benefits. What does that look like? Scary in some in some instances. Yeah, you know, in some things, it's new territory. It's new um, arrangements that we've never considered before, and now it's like okay, but. What's going to be best going forward for Hunter and Kirsten? What's going to be best going forward for Quincy and Jeannie? What's going to be best going forward for our younger kids who are going to watch the older ones get ready to fly out of the nest? What what do we do here? Mm -hmm. And how do we make the greatest impact without making a bad impact? Yeah, without making it negative. And then also... When we realized, when, when it was vocalized and we realized that there were some decisions that we weren't making 
out of fear. Yeah. And being afraid. And it was like, you know what? It's just, it's it's been too long. And we have to stop operating in a place of fear. And uh, a, a, a good friend of mine, Mbanabaragu, um, had sent me something and said, you know, fear, faith and fear um, are kind of the same in a sense that it takes faith to believe in something. They both take faith to believe in something that hasn't happened. And I'm like... Oh, you're right. So am I putting my faith in faith, or am I putting my faith in fear that something is going to happen that hasn't happened yet? And I really, it was so timely, and it was so helpful to me. It was very, very helpful. made a great impact. I said, you know what? Um, It's time to make a decision in this area and to move forward. Because we're not, we shouldn't be living with this, you know, afraid of this or that. It's like getting Kirsten back out into public for too long, for so many years of getting biting, scratch, kick, punch, etc. Finally getting her out in public and then COVID take her home. Yeah. It's like, you stupid jerk. <laughs> but we uh, we were hiding behind that. Yeah. It became our identity yeah but so we got a case of the yeah but yeah but yeah but yeah i don't want to deal with it i just don't want to deal with it yeah we started you know hiding behind that Mm -hmm. even in times where it would have been okay to the point of negatively impacting our family and at one point it's like before the whole covid situation it's like kicking and screaming or taking her to hockey she can be as loud as she wants in hockey there's always action going on, except for, you know, in between the and rest And she freaking period. loves it. Yeah. And so... <laughs> she thinks the fighting is hilarious. It's like, how many things did we miss? <laughs> how many things did we miss out on? Yeah. Because we were living in the fear of something that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. And that's like where we find ourselves now. So, you know, you want to take a step back. And this episode is god-awful long. But I'm going to just release it where it's at. I'm going to release it where it is. Unless I decide to split it because it's a long episode. But it's a, the fact is, is that we need to look at it as this is life. And as difficult as some of these situations are, if we just kind of shift our perspective, these things aren't chaos. They're not producing chaos. What they are is they're producing decisions and there's change. And sometimes change is hard for people. And that's okay. But it doesn't have to be chaos because then you're taking away your empowerment to make choices. Yeah, if you make the decision, it's not chaos. It's you telling life, dictating to life what you're going to do and making the adjustments. If you're not making the decisions, you're allowing life to become chaos. So with that, we're going to close out this episode. Um, We really got into talking some pretty heavy things here, so... Therapy. <laughs> Therapy session. Thank you, NF. And I encourage you, mighty listener, you awesome, tastic, stud-like human being, to do these check-ins with your spouse. They don't have to be this in-depth. You guys make of it what you will and how you want. But have these journey check-ins. One simple question. How's your heart? And this is where it led us. And I'm sure we could sit on this microphone and just continue to talk about things happening. Realizations, aha moments. And the reason we're putting it out there 
is to help you, to be an example to you. So please, it's not going to be for for nothing because it's helped us. But let it be for something in your life. And if you know someone who might be able to benefit from a discussion like this, send the show on to them because it's imperative that we grow this platform for one specific task to strengthen marriage around the world. It sounds crazy to me, but we have listenership that's around the world. So legitimately, we can say that. So let's do this together. Also, if you know you appreciate the show and you and you like what you hear and it helps you, if you could give us a rating, even a review, I would appreciate it. I feel kind of dirty asking for that, but I would appreciate it. Fair enough? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you want to say? Nope. All good. Okay, love. Have I told you lately that I love you? Yes. Good. I love looking into your eyes, too. Those pretty blue eyes. Okay, honey. Well, that's it. She's Jeannie Moran. I am Quincy Moran. And this is Man versus Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose. For a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself. It's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast. <laughs>